So how do we get perspective when the ground under our feet begins to shake and move? How do we get a handle on things when the people and institutions we trust disappoint us or even at times fail us? How do we make sense of things when so many people interpret the signs in so many different ways? These are questions that any of us might ask on any given day as we battle the ordinary challenges of life, but I know for many of you these questions have been front and center as you process the events of this past week. Events that regardless of how you feel about the results or the outcome of the election, events that reveal deep divides within our nation, our city, and even our church. The people to whom Luke wrote his gospel understood very well what many of us are feeling today. Today's passage falls under the category of apocalyptic literature. And while popular culture has taught us to think about these passages as predictions about the end of times, a roadmap for how things are going to end, that's not the way these kind of passages functioned for those who first heard Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel was written 15 years after the destruction of the Jerusalem temple by the Romans in 70 A.D., which means the strange passage about the temple falling and the ground shaking and dreadful portents and great signs falling from heaven is not meant to be a prediction of what is to come. It's supposed to be a word of hope to those struggling from oppression, persecution, and despair. The world as they know it is falling down around them. And to lift up the spirits of his followers, Jesus tells them that this is just the beginning. You think this is bad? He seems to say, you ain't seen nothing yet. It's not quite the pep talk we would expect. When my friend Rebecca was in college, she frequently walked past an old church that lied on the edge of campus. The church was on a path leading from the university to the main street along campus. It was a street that had everything from the $5 burrito place to the frat houses to the movie theater to the favorite watering holes. As you can imagine, it was a road, a path, well-traveled back and forth. In the middle of the path, the church had placed a sign. It was mostly an invitation to come inside the church, but the sign ended with these strange words. Know that God still cares for this broken world and for all its creatures, and that the cross, even when all else fails, yet makes its appeal. Rebecca read that sign a lot during her four years of college. She read it after September 11th. She read it before he went to war with Iraq. She read it on the day her father died unexpectedly. Recently, yet another senseless tragedy brought the sign to Rebecca's mind, but she's aged a bit. She's forgotten what it says. So she emailed the church to ask if they could tell her, let her know what exactly the sign had said. She was told by the secretary that the church had removed the sign a while back during a phase of construction, and when the work was finished, the decision was made not to put it back on the path. In the words of the secretary, some people felt it was awfully gloomy, 
to attract young students to come inside. Sometimes hope comes in the strangest of packages. And today, hope, real hope, comes to us in an honest word from Jesus. The world around us is changing. The world around us is not yet as God intends it to be. And the journey from where we are to where God wants all of us to be is one that is full of uncertainty and chaos. And this is not because God is mad at us or has given up on us. It's because the world we live in, while beautiful, is also broken. It's because the world we live in, while holy, is still full of sin. And in that brokenness and chaos and uncertainty, the cross, when all else fails us, still makes its appeal. As the events of this week began to unfold, I began to wonder if we were all getting a bit distracted. Distracted as we tried to interpret the signs of the times or read the tea leaves. And I get it. We all have something to learn about our nation and ourselves after the results of this election, regardless of how you feel about its outcome. It has something to teach us. But in this present storm, or the next one, or the next one, or the next one, we cannot lose sight of the fact that this election didn't change anything for us. Whether the sun is shining like it is today, which is a miracle in northeast Ohio, or the storm clouds are gathering and that bowl is placed over Lake Erie in a few weeks, whether the temples around us, the institutions around us start crumbling to the ground or are being rebuilt, our task, our, our commission does not change. In both word and deed, we are called to witness to the good news of the gospel. In both word and deed, we are called to witness to a God who's at work in the world, in us, making all things new. In word and deed, we are called to witness to the power of the cross that says life comes out of the shadows of death. The sign of God's presence with us and for us is not instability or success or things working out the way we would like them to work out. The sign of God's presence with us is the strength we have to endure together whatever it is life throws our way. The world keeps changing and we keep living out our faith for that is what God has called us and equipped us to do. I was trying to grab an image this week that I could hold on to to help me navigate things. And I kept coming back to a man named Vedran Smolovich. He's a cellist. You may have heard, heard of him. He's called the cellist of Sarajevo. As a cellist, he has to play his cello. It's what he does. Even when his home of Sarajevo was being reduced to rubble, he had to play his cello. That's what he did. Even then, in that chaos and uncertainty, you may have seen the pictures of him bedroom to play in the middle of the rubble. He would go out every single day and sit in the midst of the destruction and play his cello. Didn't matter if he was in a concert hall or in the bombed out remnants of a building, Vedran was going to play his cello because that's what he was called and equipped to do. I believe that the only way to get a handle on things 
the only way to keep perspective, the only way to make sense of things, is to keep doing what Jesus has called and equipped us to do. To endure this, and every time, we need to love and serve and forgive and give and pray and strive and stand and cry and hug and hold and listen and work and heal and search and stand. As Father Richard Rohr says, Christianity, this endeavor we're under, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of being in the world that is simple, nonviolent, shared, and loving. However, we've made it into an established religion, he goes on, and avoided the lifestyle change itself. One could be warlike, greedy, racist, selfish, and vain for most of Christian history and still believe that Jesus is one's personal Lord and Savior or continue to receive sacraments in good standing. The world has no such time for silliness like that anymore. The suffering on this earth is just too great. There's this promise from Jesus tucked in at the end of today's passage that I've been holding on to, and I invite you to hold on to it too. By your endurance, he says, by your endurance, your perseverance, you will gain your soul. Which I interpret to mean that through our continued commitment to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God, we will discover who we really are and to whom we belong. We are children of the living God. The greatest threat of the chaos and uncertainty of our present time and every time is not the crumbling of institutions or the world we know and love. The greatest threat of this and every time is forgetting who we and others are. We've got a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do as a church, a city, and the nation. And it's God's work of reconciliation, justice, mercy, and peace. We've got a lot of work to do, and it's going to be hard work. It's going to make us uncomfortable, and it's going to ask a lot of us. But if we endure, if we keep the faith, we will discover who we really are. And in the process, remember, hopefully together, that in our life, our death, and our life beyond death, we all belong to God. Amen.